Didn't you hear the president? People can't sleep because they're lazy, so, you know. You people put him there, so I don't know why. We you... people put him there. Nigerians elected him. Forget the story. It's getting boring now. Well, yes, people put him there. I always have to remind you, as, as Chirac yeah, says. It's getting boring. I might, especially since I told you so, so everybody needs to know. Well, After you say I told you so, I hope your bank account, your bank account increases by like a thousand naira per time. Huh? No, it doesn't matter. I've escaped from the country. My main worry is people who have no hope. I don't know who. I mean, I think, do you know what I think? I think there's this, and perhaps I suffered from it too at a point, because me, I know that I'm a very emotional person about certain decisions. So I think this decision was certainly an emotional one for me. But that aside, I think this lingering suspicion that young people have, and we'll talk about it more at length during this episode, where they sort of think those who supported Buhari, and now that things have turned out really badly, going on three years later, somehow, I don't know, like as if their decision wasn't backed by desire to see the country be better. Yes, we know that history was ignored and Buhari's whatever was ignored. I get that. But at least speaking for myself, the overwhelming desire behind supporting Buhari and his team was because I wanted the country to get better. Now, I can flip that and think, okay, the people who supported GJ also wanted the country to keep being better. It doesn't mean that we, there, there are like underlying nefarious reasons for making the choices you made. And I, and I tend to detect that when a lot of people challenge each other on these issues, is that they think, oh, you have some sort of ulterior motive. Like, no, speak for yourself, you know? No, I, I, I agree that, uh, I think for the... For a significant number, there was no ulterior motive. Some people genuinely wanted Nigeria to be better. In fact, it's something I was thinking about one day I was walking to the office. Because I remember, it just dawned on me that those of us who are relatively older, Mm. we have longer memories in terms of Nigerian politics. But for many young people on Twitter, Mm. Jonathan was their first experience of government. So they had no frame of reference. That's true. So for them, when they said this Buhari is better than this Jonathan, they they couldn't even think back because they, they didn't even know there was anything beyond Jonathan. Mm. So I can I can see how they made emotional decisions and got swept up because not even, not even emotional decisions. How they were dissatisfied with what they were experiencing at the time and wanted yes. a new government. I don't think that's I don't think that's an unusual or strange feeling i don't think it's a betrayal to want something better than what you're experiencing now because what you've got now isn't working for you yes no i don't uh disagree but that's what i'm saying so if you have no context of nigeria before you were born into this and this is what you think nigeria is and as money says i can make it better then i can see why you'd fall for the trap i've always said i don't think those people need to apologize for anything your electoral decision is yours the only people who I think owe an apology, as I've always said, are those who deployed insults and deliberate disinformation to cause confusion. Those are the people who need to apologize, but nobody else needs to. If you do, if you insult anybody, if you need to engage in disinformation, then your vote is your vote. You don't. It's your choice. Listen. Anyway, the point of me saying that is that I think we're expending far too much energy rehashing and revisiting motives re-2015. I mean, I think it, it behooves us to re-look at some of the things we did, some of the things we said, and why we made certain decisions that we made. I think that's allowed, right? So you've got to learn from history, as you people on the other side keep reminding us. However, as 2019 rapidly approaches, I fear that we haven't learned anything. 
You know, it seems like we're fighting the same battles. And I'm talking about the younger people now, people under 40. It seems like we're fighting the same battles that we fought in 2015. And the circumstances are different in the sense that universally, at least for most people, Buhari has been a disaster. All right. He has been, whether you supported him for, for 2015 or not, I can say without without any fear or favor that he has been a disaster. He has not hit any of the milestones that led me to believe he'd be better than Jonathan. Well, yes, he's, he's, he's been. The question is, have have all the, in quotations, influencers, or what they call them, they call them thought leaders, do they all, are they all on the same page? Not all of them are. Mm. There's still a lot of uh, obfuscation, as you saw from Demolarawaju's thread a while ago. Yeah, Demola Olarawaju is given to hyperbole, but, you know, I respect what he writes. I read him from time to time, yes. Yeah. Well, you saw his his, his thread where he exposed uh, Tulu Gulesi's contradictory argument. So, the, the truth of the matter is, one of, Nigeria is now in the age of politics, as we have in Britain and America. Whether we like it or not, till we die, there will be people who continue to talk about these things. It's good for us. It creates academic uh, scholarship mm. it's good for history it's good for the conversation so mm. to be honest i don't mind if people keep talking about this issue they drop that that's what makes our politics better and mature so that next time before anybody decides to step forward and present a candidate as the messiah or as the solution they will understand that there's a serious social cost to what you're doing and I've told the same thing to Olaru Waji. I've said, look, you can see the way they are, they are, in quotations, dragging these people on Twitter for their Buhari choice. That's the same thing that's going to happen to you if you back Lamido without fully understanding what it is that you're doing. All so, right. Wait, on that note, let's introduce the show. Welcome, yes. welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pokey London Flat series with me, Afro7, your host as usual. And today I've got on a, a frequent guest to discuss the state and happenings in Nigeria with me. Michael? Thank you for having me, Tola. It's always a pleasure to be on the on your talk show. Yes, yes, likewise. So, as you were saying, PDP situation. Yes, go on. Well, yes, as I said about uh, the uh, PDP at the moment, they need to step up their game. Because my issue is, you have Akbabu in the Senate, who is supposed to be the minority leader. Mm. You have a deputy Senate president in Ekwere Madu. These are PDP uh, politicians. They are supposed to be leading the charge against Buhari and also outlining a, an alternative vision to his vision for the country. But they are not doing that. All right. And I've heard people make excuses for them. So people said, well, uh, Buhari is vindictive. The EFCC is harassing people, detaining nah, people that you want. Nah, that's that's uh, excuses, like you yes, said. They, yeah. yeah, they keep saying, do you want uh, Akbabio to join Olisame II right. in prison? Let's let's um, let's wait. Let's introduce the topics for discussion, and then we can discuss the PDP in the within the context of the topics at hand. All right. So there's Bahari's okay. there's Bahari's comments in London, Bahari's decision to run again in two thousand and nineteen, and the ineffectiveness of the opposition, I suppose, and what next for young people who are interested in politics vis-a-vis -vis a candidate for two thousand and nineteen. I think I think my decision is almost getting close and almost getting final. I don't think I'm going to go with APC or PDP, but we're going to discuss that um, during the show. So let's talk about the first the first and foremost thing. Buhari is going again in 2019. I think we spent a lot of time postulating on whether he'd run again, and he's finally yeah. disabused us of all doubt. He's going to run again. What say you? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely surprised because I, I place bets with uh, 
Ayobami or Don Dekujo, as his, his Twitter handle is on, and Kingsley on social media. I place bets with them that Buhari would not run again because I know that he's not 74, whatever well, age he claims 80s. to be. He's in his he's, 80s, yeah. He is in his 80s. It's obvious he's not well. Obasanjo even made reference to that when he was advising him not to run. He's ill. Thirdly, we can see from the way he engages with the media that I'm not quite sure he's fully he's fully present mentally. Because every single time they've asked him a question, he's not even addressed the question. He's he just says what he likes. Like he's he, going to tangent yeah. into another issue. So yeah, he's just, but you know what? To be to be fair, and I tweeted about this during the elections. I thought it was funny at the time. You know, I suppose because I wanted what I wanted. He's been yes. doing this for a while. Like you ask him a question, and he gives you whatever answer he feels. It totally unrelated yes. to the question. Yeah. So so that is a cause for concern, and because of the the, the schools I went to in Nigeria. I went to schools with I, many of the officers who were Buhari's contemporaries. Mm. Their kids are my friends. Mm. And I've seen their parents. These parents are old. They sleep all day. Maybe wake <laughs> up an hour, sleep again, wake up for an hour. And it's obvious that that is Buhari's itinerary. And running a country requires somebody who literally is up and moving. And I'm actually worried that he might not even survive the campaign because you literally have to be traveling on the jet from state to state. I don't know how we can do Michael, that. Because I remember... Michael. You're yeah. being too generous. Buhari is not going to traverse Nigeria. It's, not, it's actually not possible. What's going to happen is Oshimbajo is going to be the spearhead of the campaign. Yes. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. And so my, my concern is, even forget politics or ideology, the man does not meet, meet the basic requirements to be running for office. He doesn't have the energy or the stamina or I don't think the mental presence to be running for, pres for president. Because I remember Obasanjo, when Obasanjo was president, at 3 a.m. in the morning, he used to call ministers and his permanent secretaries. Even they used to complain that, what on earth is wrong with this man? Does he not sleep? That's how energetic Obasanjo was. Jonathan, too, used to hold meetings at odd hours of the day because... Mm, one he was Sorry. Pardon? No, nothing. Carry on. Yes, because these, these men had the stamina and the energy. So I think... Even setting aside our views on what we think of his policies, I think this it, it, it is shocking that he has taken that decision. I think it's also shocking that even his own party is is playing along, mm. pretending as if this is these are normal times. I don't these think it's not... shocking. I mean, you and I have spent what almost a year, if not over a year, discussing the machinations of the Nigerian political class. I think yes. this is par for the course because essentially what this means is that Buhari is going to and let's assume he wins. He's going to be, what, a recluse almost, in quotes. Yes. Because he's hardly going to know what's going on. It gives certain people the freedom to do whatever they want. To Not not like they're not doing it now, but you understand yes. what I mean. Like, they become the de facto leaders of the party, of the country, and of the yes. treasury. And that is, that's exactly what's behind this decision to let Buhari go again, to be frank. They're not thinking of any ideological reasons or any nationalistic reasons. It's all yes. personal for them, what they're going to gain from this. you know, If it, if, if it served Bukola Saraki to oppose Buhari right now, he'd do it. Yes, if, well, if, if it served the leaders of the PDP to oppose Buhari right now, they would do it as well. Well, but that's what uh, disturbs me because... I know you don't like going back to 2015, but what disturbs me is I remember the righteous anger from the APC when they were talking about misgovernance and all that. And I was thinking, I generally thought to myself that, okay, they're holding Jonathan to this standard. It means when Buhari comes in, they will also hold him to this standard. But it seems 
Everybody has literally just dropped the standard. Nobody's interested anymore. He's literally coasting. Yes, but Michael, I saw a conversation Michael, today between Michael, some wait, journalists wait, wait. Hold, in Nigeria. Hold, hold that thought, Michael. What you're, yeah. what you're forgetting, who is supposed to hold him to standard? Because you surely can't say people like, I haven't fallen in line. People that I respect on Twitter, them they have not fallen in line. They have called the government out at every juncture. It's the media and it's the PDP and all other opposing in, uh, figures and parties and individuals that have been remiss in doing their job. Well, well that's, that's my point. The, the media is supposed to be holding into account. The political parties are supposed to be even... For example, as, as you know, even within the PDP, if there was a PDP president, even his own chairman and party leaders would have called him aside and said, look, this your behavior is unacceptable. So your own party is supposed to hold you to account. And remember that what APC sold to us was that we are going to be totally even different from PDP. We're going to be holding our people to a higher standard. Yes, yes. So I would have expected that the PDP, the APC itself, would have, would have done something. I mean, take U.S. politics. I go on Twitter and I read exposés from various journalists detailing what the stuff that is going on in, in Trump's White House. We don't have that in can Nigeria. We, can we be realistic, Michael? I mean, we're talking about a country where the brown envelopes rule what goes in, in the newspapers. Can we at least talk about our circumstances? I know we would all like an ideal. I certainly would. But yeah. that's not the way things are. Let's talk about what is right now. 2019, Buhari is running again. What? Well, how does that affect the political landscape? How does it affect you? And what do you think about it? Well, to be honest, it's, it's not really about me in that sense, because by the grace of God, some of us are fortunate to live abroad and have been educated abroad and have relatively good jobs. So even if Buhari decides to stay for another four years and destroy the economy, it doesn't necessarily affect me. The bigger concern is something I was tweeting about today, which is when I look at my own life experience and the experience of many people I know, it's only by the grace of God that we've been fortunate to go to good schools, leave the country, go to university abroad, get good jobs. This is not the story of the vast majority of Nigerians. That's right. That's right. And that disturbs me. It disturbs me that we have a government that is not worried that the majority cannot get good education, good health care, get good jobs after they leave university. I mean, the idea of social mobility is something that should be disturbing our leaders. I mean, from 1999, as much as we can criticize the PDP, you can see that there was a clear trajectory of economic growth. Mm. People who were not making money before were now making money, mm. entertainment, telecoms, banking. You can see the economy was evolving. Even at the height of old Boko Haram, Investment was still coming into Nigeria. Companies were thinking of, even my own employers were thinking of opening an office in Nigeria. And Buhari came in and there was optimism that he would at least build on that. Mm. But instead, he literally just shut down the economy and mm. just mismanaged everything. So it's not really about people like us. We are, we are lucky. It's about four years of Buhari has sent over 10 million people out of, out of employment. And now another four years is probably going to even be worse. And this, this is, and the problem with economic crises is it's easy to destroy, but it's harder to rebuild. So four years of Buhari has probably cost Nigeria at least 10 to 15 years of uh, retardation. So imagine what four, another four years is going to do. It means we're going to lose a whole generation. Okay. I mean, I think you've pretty much echoed my thoughts. I don't have anything to add. 
you know, I'd just be repeating things you've said. All right. So in terms of how this affects the opposition or what the opposition has been doing, can do, or, or, or whatever, what, what do you think about that? Because personally, I'm really disappointed in the PDP. I thought they really light a fire under this government. Essentially, they've been fighting personal battles. And you talk about how there was economic improvement or at least movement upward the upward trajectory under the pdp frankly I, th I think you give the party itself too much credit but the facts are the facts what you say is true um what has been going on with the pdp the pdp has been unable to put forth an agenda for the country to say to the country this is what differentiates us from the apc and from the current cadre of individuals in this government they have been unable to do that rather they have been fighting individual battles you know running battles of who's going to be the chairman who's going to rule this who's going to occupy what position they haven't really sold an alternative to nigerians much in the same way the apc did in 2015 where they or 2013 to 15 where they said to nigerians this is our vision this is how we're going to be different from the pdp and this is what we're going to do when we get into power we know now that it was a bunch of lies but the point is they were able to articulate positions to nigerians and nigerians bought into it and decided to give them a try so why is the pdp not doing something similar buhari is scoring Buhari is essentially an open goal. You can score at will at this at this rate. Yet the PDP is quiet, and when they speak, they're not really being heard. So, what is the problem, in your opinion? Well, I think the there's a variety of problems. The first part is Nigerian politics. Politics everywhere requires money. Nigerian politics, in particular, and one of the things the APC does or is doing is. Uh, they're particularly, the, the party and the leadership are particularly devious. I know Nigerian politicians are all devious, but the APC is highly devious. So one of the things they did from the moment they came into power was they set out to, to um, permit me for manufacturing a word, but they, they are trying to defund the PDP. And what, that, what they are doing is they're using the F, EFCC and the DSS to literally attack ev any single individual who has either given money to the party or who looks like he's going to give give money to the party. They're literally putting pressure on them. Even many of the oil companies in secret, the bank uh, executives, they're putting pressure on them. So they all know that if you go anywhere near the PDP, either give them money or any kind of support, we will come for you. So what that has done behind the scenes, it has literally frozen any kind of financial support that the PDP would have been able to get. So that's the... That's the deviousness of the APC. But on the PDP side, they've never really been good at investing in talent in the way the APC has always been. El Rufai, Tinubu, and the other politicians, even Saraki, have always been able to identify talented people and work with them and say, okay, look, work with us to create a think tank or something like or whatever kind of uh, thought weapon to be able to attack the opposition. The PDP has never really been good at that, so they don't, they don't invest in that type of uh, warfare. But, as I've said, the politicians, both in the Senate and in the House, the likes of Akpabio, who's the Senate minority leader, and Ekwerimadu, who's the Senate president, they too are a bit, I think, sense that they're a bit scared, because you can see that EFCC invited Akpabio a while ago, and since then he's sort of gone quiet. They're trying to threaten Ekwerimadu with claiming that uh, he has uh, assets all over the world. And all that is also making them scared. My response to that is what I said on, on Twitter, which is, I know Buhari is harassing you guys, but at the end of the day, 
the taxpayer is paying you guys millions of naira a year to be the opposition. If you don't want to do the job, then I probably should step down and let someone else run for Senate for, for Ibom and let that person do the job. You cannot be collecting millions in salary and then claiming that you don't want to talk because you are afraid. Then, quite frankly, get out of the office and let someone else do it. So that's the difficulty the PDP is facing. But the, the third issue is also they need to, I would have thought that they would, I would have advised that they, they hold their primary maybe a bit earlier so they can decide on who their candidate is. Because the issue with both parties is they're, they're basically empty power shelves. It's the president who determines what the ideology of the party will be. Now, Sulu Lamido is, leans to the left of center, Atiku leans, leans to the right of center. So until either Atiku or Lamido is the candidate, it's very hard for the PDP to say which way it's going to go. Although, as you know, my preference would be for Atiku. He has many flaws, but I think on the balance of probability, Atiku should get it. And to be fair to him, he's, he's one of the only few PDP people as, alongside Fayoshe who have been making a lot of noise trying to hold Buhari to account. So, essentially, as far as you see, the PDP is comatose because the APC has has put pressure on people who are going to fund the PDP. So this is the thing that that disturbs me. We seem to go round in circles talking about the same thing. There are no fresh ideas. There is no new school of thought about how new things should be done. You know, there are no new people being propelled to the center, to the front. If you can't... So this is the problem, the inherent problem these parties have. They have trust deficits with the Nigerian people. Okay. Yes. Here, until I stopped, I used to send the Labour Party £15 every month, right? Until I stopped. I used to do that. Now, obviously, there were bigger donors and stuff, people that gave thousands of pounds. But the point is, most of the funds come from small people who who expect the government or the opposition to behave in a particular manner and who will hold them to account if they failed, right? Yes. Why is it that no Nigerian party, the PDP and APC inclusive, have been able to face... The population and say, okay, look, these are the things we need to do. In order to do them, we need fund. And we will be open with you when you give us our funds. Because, like you said, all they're worried and concerned about is resting power from the government du jour. Now, the P- as far as I'm concerned, eh, the PDP has failed woefully. Now, you can ask Demola Raju, when Buhari became the president, he started messing up. I went in his DM and I said, look, we need to figure out a new way to do things. We can't continue like this. This is terrible. What is the PDP doing? He gave me a a litany of excuses and I was like, oh, you know what, whatever. The point for me now is I have reached a point because I, and I've said this to you several times, I was open to supporting a PDP candidate because I was so disgusted by the APC. But as it is right now, the chances that I'm going to support either of the mainstream candidates is very close to nil because I realize actually the chances that you and I are going to be talking about this same types of things in a year's time is quite high. Well, the reason why I'm not so bothered about party is, as I've said before, all the parties are empty shells. They're just basically SPVs mm. and special purpose vehicles. And it's who the president is that sets the direction. So even this so-called third force is also an SPV. So or S- the other party they're talking about, SDP as well, they're all SPVs. There's no real... Uh, ideological party in that sense. So that's true, that's true. I'm not really concerned with labels. If, for example, if the APC literally pushed Gwari out and brought a sensible candidate, I would, I would, I would support APC because to, to me they're all just 
acronyms. They don't really mean anything. It's literally who the candidate is. Yes, I mean so, it's not it's not about ideology, is it? So yeah. Yeah. So you you follow the ideology of, of the of the candidate. So, but I think if we study the democracies in in Britain and even in America, this is part of the uh, process. What will happen is elite always the political elite are only obsessed with power. They look after themselves. But it is, it is via their infighting amongst themselves that they start changing the rules. Because one of the good things with Buhari is, I think many politicians now see how dangerous it is to have a very powerful president. And I think one of the things that will come from this is they will try to whittle down his powers. They will try to amend the constitution. Why haven't they done that so far? Well, that's what I'm, I'm sure they're working. Uh, Saraki is working with the House to uh, amend the constitution. So in, in certain respects... They're already looking to whittle down the powers of the president. And there's also a bill to finally create an independent EFCC as well as an independent attorney general because they can now see. I mean, to be, to be very honest with you, so long as the EFCC keeps being manned and staffed by the Nigerian police, it's not really independent. The EFCC needs to be independent in the sense that fresh staff, not links to any other security agency, fresh staff, because I don't understand how that law was passed. Perhaps that was a concession they had to make to get support. Why is it that members of the EFCC have to, or the EFCC chairman or whatever, has to have been a police officer? Of what relevance is that? Well, I don't, I don't even think it's the fact that he has to be a police officer. I think the issue is he has to he has to get, he's, he's attached to the presidency, so he's, he needs the president's yes, permission. Yes, I mean, I agree, I agree yes. with that, but the point is that, I look, we want people to do things the way it's done elsewhere and it's functioning. We're not reinventing yes. the wheel here, right? So we can yes. literally look at how they've done it, tweak, tweak it a little bit here and there, and basically copy and paste. Why is it that we keep designing things that are so peculiar, they don't function for us, and they damn near won't function anywhere else? I don't understand. Look, I rate what Saraki is doing, but essentially, if you look at it well, it's only because his own interest is at stake, yeah? Wait, wait, but that's the way politics has happened everywhere. Most politicians do things because it's in their interest. But the good thing is, when they are fighting each other, there's always benefits to, to, the, to the masses. That's why you design a system where they are at loggerheads with each other. Yeah, yeah. Because that's the only way... They will, okay. they, will, they will push for change. So I think we're being a bit theoretical. Let's just whittle it right down to the meat of the thing, which is how does Buhari running again affect all the power centers? So the power centers in the north, in the south, in the east, and in the west. Like what changes? And in the middle belt, mind you, what changes? Well, the difficulty for the south is, from what I'm hearing, it seems the Southwest and the Southeast have both been led to believe that Buhari is going to hand over to one of them after he does his four years. That's that's one calculation that they're all hoping for. But the question is, who who do they, who do we believe? Did Buhari promise the Southwest or did Buhari promise the Southeast? He can't have promised the Southeast because the Southeast gave him nothing. Well, that, that's what some of them seem, seem to believe, that he's, he's promised them the presidency. But then the other issue is, Many southern politicians, and I suspect some of them are in the PDP, they too want to be president, and they don't trust that a, another northerner would only do four years. They think the, the new northerner will probably do another exactly, eight years. Exactly, exactly. Now you've hit the nail on the head. This is why the PDP, this is part of the reason the PDP has been quiet. Now we're getting to it. So, so, so there's the, possibly the a group of them. The southerners, the southerners in, the south, in the PDP are okay with Buhari getting another term because it means that rotation comes to the southeast. Let's be real. 
Well, that's 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 one of the factors. But the, the issue with that is they are basically playing dice with the, the destiny of Nigerians. You've seen how disastrous four years of this man has been, and just for your own selfish desire to get power after him, you're willing to tolerate him for another four years. That that is reckless and irresponsible. But even the government is saying it. Oh, Southeastern and support Buhari for the presidency in 2023. As if we can predict everything that's going to happen and everything falls in place so neatly and nicely. It does not. Yes. It does so not. That, that's highly reckless of them to be thinking that. And uh, but, but that's why people have to speak up and people have to put pressure on them to understand that, look, it's not, it's, this, this kind of calculation is un- unacceptable. But the only way it can work is if the opposition get behind someone and try to wrestle power from the APC. The problem with this third force movement is, as much as I support the idea of people supporting candidates they want, I think there also has to be an element of realism. Same way in this country, sometimes in some parliamentary seats, the Labour Party and the Lib Dems agree to either support a Labour candidate or a Lib Dem candidate as the only way of defeating Tories. Mm. It's the same way... I think the third force movement needs to have people to deeply reflect and say, look, do we really have a chance of winning or are we just going to split the okay, vote and allow Murray win? I think you're right, but you're right at the end. Right here, at this moment in time, it's still pretty much the beginning in the sense yeah. that people are still making their names, people are still jostling to be the face of this third force, in quotes, yes? Right yeah. now, I'm really considering Kingsley Mogalu, for example. For me, I yeah. like his ideology. The guy is well-educated. He's written on his position, so at least I can check out where he stands on a number of issues. And yeah. pretty much I'm very happy with him. The way he thinks matches the way we need to be, matches what we need to be doing to get our economy going. I mean, I was reading about Vietnam today and the things they did to get their exporting and manufacturing side of things going. And this is a lot of what Kingsley Mogalu is talking about. Do you understand? So I yeah. like the way he reasons and I find myself gravitating towards him. Okay, but in order for a guy like that to concede and say, okay, let me merge with the PDP, he has to be bigger. And in order to be bigger, he has to stand alone for the moment at the very least. Then he can come to the table with something to offer. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. Okay. Well, Kingsley Mogalu is clearly sharp. If 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 the ideal candidate for me would probably be him, but also at the same time, if, if I'm trying to be realistic and say, look, the aim is for Buhari to go, and be replaced with somebody better, not just for Wari to go, but to replace replaced with somebody better, mm-hmm. then we have to say, does Kingsley have, a, have good prospects? I don't think he does. To be fair to Atiku, putting the corruption and all the other stuff aside, Atiku's economic views are very similar to Kingsley. And Atiku is the kind of person who could even make Kingsley his finance minister and say, look, run with this vision. The same way Jonathan did with Okonjo Wella, Atiku would happily let Kingsley run, run with the vision. So I don't think... Atiku getting the t- ticket necessarily means Kingsley's ruler. He could make Kingsley's running mate or could make him minister for finance or something. So I think there is there are various means of accommodation that could take place. But I just want the third force to be aware that in as much as, yes, there's nothing wrong with what they are doing, they have to understand what is the aim. If the aim is to get Buhari out and get somebody better, then perhaps there has to be some yes, kind of compromise. That's, that's, that's the, so that's the thing I was saying to you just a moment ago. The people for whom that's a genuine aim, they appear to yeah. be slim where Southerners are concerned. Because I think a lot of Southerners are trying to predict the wind, which is, okay, let this guy just do his other four terms and get lost, because then it'll be our turn. 
you understand? I think that for a lot of people, a lot of the power brokers, is a much bigger pull than the idea that the country needs to be removed from this disastrous path it's currently on. You know, because they think in terms of me, 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 I, I, I. They're not thinking in a nationalistic term. They're not thinking they have to, you know, do right by the country. They're thinking what's going to be better for my own personal interest. I suppose that's how politicians all over the world tend to look at things, but other countries have processes that function. <laughs> do you see what I mean? We don't have that luxury. So I'm I'm probably, and I'm saying it here officially for the first time, I am probably going to support Kingsley Mogulu the way it's looking because for me, I have to weigh it up. Am I concerned? And on this, I'm not certain that I have an answer. But am I concerned more about winning or am I concerned with voting my conscience? You see what I'm saying? Because, and I've said this to you several times again, the reason I was drawn to RFI particularly was because of the ideology he espoused, okay? So for me, it's always an intellectual process. When I look at the APC, nobody there matches what I'm thinking needs to be done in order for the country to get better. They still speak in such rudimentary very simplistic terms when it comes to governance and governing. But know. even even your Rufan supporting Buhari as well. Look, that's why I said I I was drawn, drawn, okay? Now he's yeah. he's supporting Buhari again for his own selfish interests. You know, maybe his selfish interest is to is to be the governor again in Kaduna or to move to the center and be his uh, his chief of staff or God knows what, but he knows why he's supporting Buhari. Because if Buhari was a southerner, believe you me, Arafai would not be supporting him, okay? Unless it benefited him in some ways that we can't decide. But back to, King, back to Kingsley Mogali. The reason I'm looking at this guy very closely is I don't care what part of the country he's from. That does not interest me. We play that game for too long and we're still where we are, all right? Let's be honest. The guy has ideas. He's relatively young. He's tested in his field and he's excelled. All right. Those are things that are very important to me. Like, for example, the PDP is looking at Lamido. Lamido, to me, does not pass the smell test. He does not. Like, my, my mind is open enough to support an opposing figure to Buhari. However, they have to have some basic things to make me support them. Lamido has not done well enough for me to say, OK, this guy has earned my support. Nothing about him tells me that. Well, the, the truth is, as I've said, everybody has the ideal candidate. Even in England, for many people, uh, Theresa May was, for conservatives like myself, Theresa May was not the ideal candidate. But when you weigh her up against Jeremy Corbyn, you say, okay, I'll go with Theresa May over Corbyn. So it's the same thing in Nigeria. Everybody has the ideal candidates. But the way society improves is you make compromises. And you say, based on the options before me, who is the lesser of two evils? Now, with the choices between... Evils. They're not evil. No, I'm not lesser of two evils. It's a, it's a saying, saying, isn't okay, it? So, yes, that's true. Carry on. So the point is, you have Buhari, and the option is, let's say PDP picks Atiko or Lamido. Then I have to ask myself, of these two, who is the lesser of, of both evils? Suri Lamido might not have good economic ideas, but he's not divisive. He's he has he has connections across the country. He's he's a uniter. Atiko is a uniter. So. I would go with them over Buhari. I would support uh, Kingsley Mogalu because I like him if I thought he had a good chance. But if, if by the time 2019 comes, it's clear that he's clever, but his chances are not good. What's the point? His chances aren't good. And I say yeah. this, I say this, I say that I'm going to support him, not because I'm in La La Land and I think he has a chance of winning. Hell no, he does not. I know yeah. he does not. However, what I'm interested in, in is broadening his appeal. Do you understand? Yes. I would like for him to raise his profile 
by doing things differently. Now, I don't want to give away too much. I don't know the guy. I've never spoken to him. I've never spoken to any members of his team. But I'm willing to volunteer for him because I like him. And I think, and I think for somebody like me, the idea that we're playing the same game over and over and over has lost its allure. Do you understand? Like, no, I'm, I'm I don't think. We're, that's it. what I'm saying. I don't think we're playing the same game because what I said was, if you looked at the trajectory from 1999. The company, the country, had been making steady progress. It might not have been moving at the pace we wanted. Yes, but I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't. The first government that I was interested in properly as a fully grown adult was Jonathan's. Yes. So, but the point I'm making is, we will never get. I don't think we'll get this president who literally transforms everything and turns it into a kind of uh, nirvana. No, no, it's a it's a long game. It'll always be a step by step process, Mm -hmm. which is why I'm saying, okay, we we like. Uh, Mogalu, but we don't think he's going to win. So who do we think has good chances? Atiku does, Lamido does. Are they better than Buhari? If you say they are better, then we support them and then they win and then we put pressure on them and then the next cycle the, the two alternatives, whoever is better Michael, we put pressure Michael, on that person this because is what, this is the reality of the situation is But this is what we thought we were doing with Buhari. Do you understand? This is why I'm jaded. This well, is what you're saying now is what a lot of us... And when I say Buhari, I don't mean just the man. I mean his government and his component parts because it was supposed to be an alliance between the CPC and the, a- and the ACN. And the ACN, at least on paper, had a way of doing things that was attracted to a lot of people, right? Well, yes. But, but the point is, many of us said it at the time. I had these arguments. I said, look, I understand the motivations, but you guys were fundamentally wrong because... I don't think you guys fully understood what the CPC was about, or you guys didn't understand what Buhari was about. Evidently so, not. So you created an idea, which was a brilliant idea, that we wanted someone who was better than Jonathan. The problem was you crowned the wrong person. You crowned Buhari. If you had given it to Atiku... Was that power? Was that power? Look, <laughs> let's be serious. This is why I get mad at people getting mad at young people. We, yeah. were, we were just pawns. What power did we really have, essentially, at the end of the day? We were just pawns. Pawns who they knew had a desire for, for something different, something new, something better. Yes. And we were just useful pawns, really, if we're being well, honest. Yeah. Well, I know they, they played you guys. What I'm saying is, if you guys had done the due diligence, you would have seen, okay, these guys are playing us because Buhari is not the one who should get it. If they had given it to even Fashola or uh, uh, Atiku, I could have said, I okay. supported Atiku in the primaries. So, <laughs> Yes, because I remember even tweeting then, after seeing the, their speeches, I said, look, I'm not APC, but to be honest, Atiku should get this ticket. I because... supported Atiku in the primaries. They blocked him in the southeast by putting up Rochester because they knew his chances in the southeast were quite quite, you know, quite high. They blocked yeah. him off in the southeast. The southwest queued behind uh, Tinubu and Tinubu's choice, which was Buhari at the time. And then it was a wrap. Yes. So I, I think they... they... But that, that's that's the lesson we learn, and we, we mustn't allow them play that game again. So, we we there was nothing wrong with the idea. All we have to keep doing is voting for the better candidates. And I think of all the options so far, I don't think Buhari is the, is the is the best. We can agree that we can agree that Michael. Okay, Michael, yes. let's let's do this. Say the elections were tomorrow. Who are you supporting? Well, if, if the let's say PDP has Atiku, APC has Buhari. And this third force produces Mogalu. Then, if the third force has looks like they have good chances, then I'm happy to vote for Mogalu. But I don't think they do. I think the the real party that can beat defeat Buhari is PDP because Atiku is a fighter. So if the choice is between Atiku and Buhari and Mogalu, I will go with Atiku. I'm not a hundred percent fan of Atiku. There are many things I think are wrong, but I think 
on balance, he's better than Buhari. Okay, so here's... Let me ask my... Okay, you asked me the same question. So, yeah, so who, who would you support if the elections were tomorrow? <laughs> All right. Looking at the at the scenario presented, I would hope that it doesn't get to that, okay? Because I'm, I'm, still, I'm still a bit stuck. Whether I vote conscience or I vote... Or I'm realistic about my vote. Do you understand? I'm still a bit stuck. Yeah. I'm leaning to Mogolu because I told you I'm tired of the same APC, PDP bullshit. However, yeah. am I going to say Nigeria should suffer another four years of Buhari over uh, uh, my conscience? Yeah. You know, so I'm thinking it doesn't get to the choice between Atiku, Buhari and Mogolu. I'm hoping that this third force, preferably Mogolu, whoever, because I think Faladurotoy is a joke. To be quite frank, I think he's a joke. <laughs> and there's no way I'm supporting Shoyale, Sh- 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 Shawari, or whatever he's called. No. But, yeah. So I'm hoping that Mogalu and the party, whichever party, can work out an arrangement where he's either on the ticket or the arrangement is such that it's obvious to me that he's going to be a major part of the government. Then I'd be minded to support the PDP, right? Yeah. Then, because there's no way I'm going to support Buhari. For me, he's not even the in the equation, so that's fine, you know. Well, and even even the even the carrots, because I was speaking to one of my uncles who's very big, and you know, I can't mention his name because he swore me to secrecy. But yeah. the carrot being dangled to some of the southwestern bigwigs is that this guy won't last four years. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> so Prof will take the seat. Right. Is that- right. Yes. Me, I know that even if Buhari is at quarter two. There's no way they're going to let him resign. I mean, he was in the office. He did not speak to Nigerians for months. We barely yeah. saw him. So how would we know how what state of health he's in? You know, so long as he's not fully dead, he's not going yeah. to resign. So the idea that he won't last four years and Oshimbajo can step up, I'm not willing to take that gamble. No way. No way. Well, no, no, I agree. It's, uh, for me, it's, it's dangerous because I've been reading security reports as well as uh, various articles. And you can see that the herdsman crisis and all this stuff. He's moving down south. It's now in Edo State and Delta State. And in some parts of the southwest, you already have herdsmen raiding farms. So I personally think there's more to it than just ordinary herdsmen, but that's just me. Yes, but the, the issue is it's coming down south. A point is going to come where if we don't do something serious, Lagos is going to be under siege. And the, the, but, and the problem is, I don't know if you saw... Shegwadeni's article on Thursday and uh, and Simon Collarwell's articles today, but they said the same thing. The security chiefs are actually at war with each other. They're actually not talking to each other. So imagine you're having we're having the we're the height of our insecurity, and there's beef between the security Why? chiefs. Why? What's the what's the what's the motive behind the beef? What's wrong with them? Well, uh, the NSA and Dara, for reasons I don't understand, they hate each other and. NSA doesn't have power over Dara. They all report to Buhari. I know Buhari is not even interested in anything. So, so essentially they all report to, what's the guy's name? His uncle, who? Buhari's uncle. Maman Dara. Mm. No, they, 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 legally speaking, they report to Buhari. But Buhari does not even try to intervene in their quarrels. So everybody is just there. Just, they just go to him and say, oh God, this person did this to me. And Buhari doesn't say anything. He just looks at them. The biggest question I want to ask Bahari is why did you run for this post? What was the point? The guy seems so disinterested in the basic rudiments of governing. I don't understand. Well, well Aki Oshuntoku, Oshuntoku talked about this last week in his own article. He said there's obviously a sinister motive behind Buhari's running. We think he ran for nothing. But if you look behind the scenes, the way he's, he's obsessed with finding oil in the north, 
He's done a few, made a few divisive appointments, both in the civil service and in the central bank, in the military. You can see that being a, a an ethnic supremacist that he, he is, he's obsessed with creating new facts on the ground, as they call it. So that's what he's obsessed with. He's just trying to make sure that. I don't know that I buy that. No, it, it it is what is happening. That that's that's his main here, Mamandara's main concern because these belong to the so-called uh, Kaduna Mafia. So that's what's happening behind the scenes. But as long as that's happening, Buhari is not. He, to be honest, quite frankly, he thinks the rest of you guys can go to hell. He's not bothered about what anybody else is telling him. All right, lazy youths. Oh well, as I was saying a while ago, one of the problems with our politics, especially in Nigeria, is I think we're a bit too hopeful. Hope is good, but sometimes don't be hopeful. See things for what they are. Every single time Buhari has been asked a question on any issue, he's given the most divisive or offensive response he could find. But at every single point, people would make an excuse and claim that, no, 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 that's not what he meant. Because even before the elections in 2015, the last time he gave an interview was when he was talking about Boko Haram. And they asked him about it. And what did he say? He said, Boko Haram is about fighting injustice. And that look at the way they're treating Niger Deltans with kid gloves. Yet when it comes to Boko Haram, they're killing northerners that the war against Boko Haram is anti-North. And for after, that, after that interview, they banned him from speaking for a while because they realized that, look, this dude, when he talks, he puts people off. So Buhari has a history of making offensive comments. But at every single point, he will say something. People say, no, 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 that's not what he meant. It's liars. It's liars that are misrepresenting him. Mm-hmm. It's propaganda. Is this, Is that. But... That is how the man thinks. He's, he's what uh, some people have described as a feudalist. So in, in Buhari's mind, he is entitled to be looked after by the state. Mm. But if anybody else expects any kind of uh, benefit from the state, he thinks that they are lazy and uppity, quite frankly. So that's basically what he thinks of young people. Look, the, 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 the upside for me, and again, I'm being hopeful to your point, is that this statement really cut across the divide and got a lot of people angry. Forget about the Buhari media organization. They're being paid to do a job. And no matter yes. how bad they are at it, they will do that job. Okay, Most young people that I've spoken to about this are very angry about it. They're very angry about it because they particularly belong to a generation that has gotten nothing from the state. Nothing yes. at all. Nothing except if you go to a federal or state university, you get shitty education. The kind of yeah. education that won't stand up in another third world country even. Okay. That's the most they can expect from the state. They've got yeah. nothing from the state. People of Bahari's generation, of Goodluck Jonathan's generation, they got way more from the state than than people under what? If you're thirty five and under, you've never seen a function in Nigeria. Never. So for him to make that statement, I just thought, Wow, look at this man. The state has been feeding Bahari since he was what, nineteen? He's it been was born. He's he's been fed by Nigeria for free since he was a child. And look at him saying, and the thing is, he really believes this. Well, but but that is my point. My point is, can we afford four four more years of this? I don't think we can. I don't think we can. This is is what's bothering me about the decision that I want to take, whether to support Mongolu or somebody else. Because I really do believe a continued Buhari presidency is too dangerous. Well, the thing is, because... I've seen what Atiku has done. Atiku built a university in Yola. I think there's a secondary school there. He gives scholarships to people. He has businesses in that area. So I'm not, I'm by, by far, I'm not in, in any way a fan of Atiku. But 
you can see the difference in the mindset. Oh yes, oh yes. Oh, this yes. is someone who likes to help people, wants to make his 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 people better. All through Buhari's time, even as a politician before he, he became president, nothing to show for it. Exactly, I've never seen him even lead a charity charitable foundation. Not not any even Obasanjo set up schools, uh, the Bell School in Ota. Mm. So you you can see the the difference in 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 the mindset between them and uh, even forget them. I saw a video of Babangida's interview last week, and I saw how articulate, engaging this man was. And that, that, was was part of his appeal. that was part of his appeal back in the day. Yes, but you've, you've heard about your speak. You've heard all that yeah. general's talk. And you, want, you think to yourself, how did Buhari pass this same system? Anyway, Abata, Abata too is, in a way, talks like Buhari. But I was a little shocked. I was thinking... No, 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 no. Buhari's English is really quite good. It's just heavily accented. No, no, I'm not talking about the English. I say forget the, the English. The way he reasons. I mean, oh, the way he reasons. Okay, fine. Yes, I mean the reasoning ability. Mm-hmm. I was just, I was shocked. You see, you can literally, Babangida can literally sit in a room with Obama and they will have a conversation yes, about but anything. even with all his blah, 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 look at what he did to the country. I mean, okay, he built the third mainland. Wow. Okay, but look, the yeah. country really went to the dogs under him. So no, but, that doesn't really count for much, does it? No, but he was still a better president than Buhari. Buhari was literally sending the country to basically doing what he's doing now. Buhari literally destroyed the place, at least. Look, with uh, um, uh, uh, privatized, there was there was corruption, but yeah, there was privatization. Michael, Michael new businesses the, opened up. Michael, yes. when when the generals took over in Brazil, they actually had a vision to build a road to connect every single Brazilian city, and they did it. Jonathan, yes. they did it. They under them, Brasilia was conceptualized. Okay, I suppose the same for um, Babangida. Under them, the, Brasilia was conceptualized. If you see what Brasilia looks like today, it's amazing. All right, the point yes. is. Nigeria has been shortchanged by every single government, even for the ones under under them. No, even for the ones under which progress was made, it was we've been shortchanged. These people have no vision, Michael. No vision whatsoever. Look at in two thousand and eighteen, we're still talking about a functioning rail system, something that the British did almost two hundred years ago. We're still discussing it today. It's ridiculous. Well, the, the point is, there is. But this this is the point I try to make on. Uh, always try to make there is vision but oftentimes we the intellectual class or the middle class sometimes we are our own enemies because we don't fully understand whose side we should be on and who we should be supporting and who we should be opposing and for example when they held that national conference in 2014 yes jonathan was pressured into doing it and he agreed to do it with alex adebanjo i mean uh, chief adebanjo and the others that was one of the, the, the purposes of that sort of conference where we devolve power we, so that states and regions can make better decisions for themselves. So this was something that we should have supported because a restructured Nigeria makes it more likely that the rains, trains will work, that the uh, power system would work better. So we need to be asking, we, we need to be, yes, we're saying there's no vision, but then the question is, are we going to be supporting candidates who have vision? Or are we going to be supporting candidates who want to maintain the status quo? Look, if I'm if I'm being real with you, I'm tired of the over seventies. Like I'm tired of that Buhari, Atiku, Babangida, Obasanjo. I'm tired of that class. I wish they just disappear from the scene forever and ever. Amen. That's well, what I, I, don't, I don't think age is the issue. I think it's the idea. What is the well, ideology? It's, 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 it's the idea. Sure, fine, but the en- yeah. you need energy to. Nigeria, most Nigerians are under 30 today. You need energy. You need energy to run the country. 
If you don't well, have the energy, you need to have the vision to identify those that do, those who yeah. actually get thing, you know, get things done. Well, but that's that's what I'm saying because I can imagine an article, for example. I don't know. I keep talking about him, but even on Obasanjo, even Obasanjo came back as president now, he he won't be as energetic as he was the last time. But on Obasanjo is the kind of person who would appoint, okay, a world class uh, candidate, even maybe Mogalu as finance minister. And say, okay, I, I like your vision, so you run with it. Just come and be briefing me every week what you've done. The problem with Buhari is he doesn't have energy and has refused to allow people with energy That's to do the their work. That's the wahala. Yes. He, and he doesn't so, understand basic economics, but he won't let people who do run the yes. damn thing. Yes, he doesn't understand the basic stuff. So for me, it's not really the age. It's more the, the personality, the mindset, the mm. ideology. That's why... I think history is important. We literally need to critically analyze every aspect of a candidate from his marriages, who is he married to, how many children does he have. Well, I mean, for forced. you, the PDP is coming down. It looks like it's coming down to between what, Lamido and Atikushi? Well, there's Dankwambu. The race is still open. I don't know who is going to get it. But my, my own Imagine, is... Imagine, this is where about to be, the second quarter is almost about to be over and we still don't... Oh, God. Yeah. We don't know. My, my own view is whoever it is, no question should be off limits. Ask Atiku, how many wives do you have? Why did you leave your wife? How many children do you have? We literally need to know every single question so that, as you know in the West, they ask everything so that nothing is a surprise. So that's all I would say. Whoever it is, ask any question, anything that's disturbing you, ask them. Man, I don't know. I just feel like I'm I'm at a crossroads personally and I'm really, really conflicted, you know. I'm really conflicted. But it would be easy. It would be so easy for me to say, okay, that's it. I'm joining Atiku. Do you know what I mean? It would be yeah. very easy for me to do that. But, oh, I just can't square it with myself. I really just can't square it with myself. You know, and I, you, like, you know I like the guy. You know, like, you know I like him. But I but just, you, uh, go on. No, I agree. You don't have to join him. I don't think I'm even going to join any campaign. What I'm saying is, if I had the choice, if I had the choice, I'll choose him. But one thing I wouldn't do, I won't lie for anybody. I won't do propaganda for anybody. I will support you, but tell it as it is, so mm. that when it goes wrong, nobody can hold me and say, mm. uh, uh, Nigeria's best told me something that wasn't true, because I, I won't lie for any candidate. Yeah. Even Jonathan, I supported him, but if you look through my tweets, you see where I criticized him, because mm. I didn't think he was perfect. So I won't lie for anybody. Mm. Well, uh, well, I mean, to be honest with you, guys, it seems that we, we talk about the same thing when Nigeria is concerned all the time. Like, I'm really fatigued emotionally, psychologically. <laughs> I'm so tired, my God. But anyway, to young Nigerians um, all over the world, you've shown yourselves in, in, in mostly good light. So please don't be discouraged by what this old fool has to say. You know, this is somebody this is somebody that's been sucking at the teeth of the state since he was born. You know, I see young Nigerians in entertainment, in academia, in business, excelling everywhere. I told you on the day that I started at my new job, there were ten and I'm, I've got some boring middle position, right? There were ten people hired. Yes. Of those ten, Michael, six were Nigerian. Yes. Six were Nigerian. And I'm not talking about Nigerian born and raised here. Nigerians from no. Four, including myself, came from Nigeria, and two were born and raised here, right? Yeah. So you can't you can't say that Nigerians are lazy and they don't do anything, or young people are waiting to be given handouts. We just want a, a, a conducive environment where you can be the best you can be without having to pay someone or sleep with someone. That's the basic thing you ask for. Basic dignity to conduct and to achieve the goals that God has given you to the best of your ability. That's it. 
Well, I, I agree. And that's what should disturb those of us who have managed to make something of ourselves. That's what should disturb all of us. That's what should disturb the politicians, the churches, the charities, the journalists. These are the things that should disturb us. The fact that people and Nigerians are making it outside, but the opportunities are not the same inside. These are the things that we should be fighting to, to change. I mean, you watch American college sports. You know, you've got to be in college to partake in a college sports. Even yeah. the top, top colleges, Michael, they have Nigerians on the roster. Well, you yeah. have to be passing your grades to be able to play on the team. So it's not like you're just there because you can play. Do you understand? Yeah. They have Nigerians on the roster. You're like, what the hell, man? No, because uh, that's one of the things. Because uh, even when I was in secondary school in Nigeria, I used to be a sprinter. And I stopped sprinting because it's not really something that's taken seriously in Nigeria. Mm. But then I have a cousin who moved to America when he was younger. And he's, he's retired now, but he used to play for the NFL, signed some multi-million dollar contract. Imagine. And you could just see the, the, the different trajectory in our lives. If I'd moved to America at that age as well, I'd probably been, uh, I don't know, the Usain Bolt. Of, I, mean, uh, I have cousins that were good at football. Nobody took them seriously. There's no investment. There's nothing. It's not yeah. like you don't want to do stuff. You want to do it, but the doors are closed at every juncture. So, yes. what, And upon all this, Nigerians are still fashioning new ways to do things. The music industry, which I'm heavily involved in, I see the length to which these young people go just to make a song to be heard. Is it buying yes. credit? Is it is people are working as bricklayers during the day so that they can record music at night? They're doing whatever. The state literally gives people nothing. But it well, wants, every time you make a cobble, several hands are out wanting to tax you for one thing or the other, you know? But, but that's the uh, problem with, that's the big mistake Buhari made. It wasn't even necessarily the fact that he is even abusive. It's the fact that he stepped into an economy that was functioning on its own and decided to put in a restriction on Forex. And what that did was people who were trade, trading on their own, doing business on their own, suddenly could not have access to Forex again. And I'm just thinking, what is the meaning of this? We're not asking you for oil money. You guys are sharing it in, in Abuja. Do your own thing. We are trading by ourselves. You've come in and you've disturbed the equilibrium. And for me, that's the issue. Because if, as you're talking about the mu music scene, it's doing, it's doing very well. But it cannot grow until the government creates an environment exactly. that With good allows laws. respect for intellectual exactly. property rights, exactly. contract, contract rights, and things like that. Exactly. And those are enforced by a functioning court system. Yeah. You know, so it's all at every juncture you come up, you come up against the Nigerian government. That's the yes. thing. The government is always a barrier, always, yes. always. In no instance is the Nigerian government on your side as a normal person, not like your Dangote or Tedola or whatever. They're always on those people's side. I mean, well, look, look at it today. Ben, Benin Republic is importing the most rice in Africa. Benin Republic yep. has a population of what, under two, three million. What are they doing with the rice? It's coming here. So well, well, ordinary Nigerians are going to pay a higher price for rice just because you want to guarantee some bigwigs their rice production. Well, but, but that's the uh, problem with our constitution. It's a, as we all know, it's a systemic or structural problem in the American legal system, in the American constitution. This stuff doesn't happen. If I, ha if I buy land, I find oil under the land, it's I deal false. directly with Shell or Chevron. The government is not involved. It's not involved. It's not so, involved. Yeah. Well, the government in Nigeria seems to insert itself into in issues that... <laughs> Michael, the government in Nigeria inserts itself into every and anything you can think of. Even 
chieftain, chieftaincy matters. My grandpa, God rest his soul, had to go all the way to the Supreme Court because the Lagos State Government and the federal government were trying to interfere in a, in a thingy that had nothing to do with them. Well, Even, it's, it's, small, it's very... Small, trivial uh, matters, the government will just impose itself on you. Boah. Well, that's why I like what uh, Atiku has been saying in restructuring, and I like what Kingsley Mogalu is saying. We need... What we need in government is thinkers. We don't need the most intelligent people, but we need people who have the capacity to think yes. and engage with ideas. Yes. I think Atiku can do that. Yes. Mogilu can do that. Buhari cannot do that. He cannot. And he, the, the painful part is he does not know that he cannot. The one, <laughs> exactly. the one instance where he knew he could not discuss the topic was Nollywood and he passed it over to Fashola. But apart from that time... Yes. No. He well, doesn't know he cannot. He has not appointed people that can, and he doesn't care what you think because he's not bothered to speak to the media, and his media team is shit. But even for me, that Nollywood question was quite serious because I remember being annoyed at the time because... I wasn't. How can you be running for president and not have a view on the Nollywood issue? I wasn't because, look, I wasn't because I'm pretty certain the fellow has never seen a Nollywood film and he doesn't know the slight, slightest thing about it. Like we've just said, if you don't know, make sure somebody in your team does know. John, but, look, at, look at his age as well. Come on, let's be serious. But, but, my, my, but my point is, even Obasanjo, the other 70 people that would know Nollywood. Obasanjo makes is, it his business to know these things. Bahari yeah. is so haughty and removed from everyday Nigerian things. Yeah, but, but that's, that's my point. My point is... We should not be making excuses for him saying he didn't know. There's some things you you should make it your business to know I if you mean, want to be president. To be honest with you, that was not a big concern to me at the time because I thought he'd be working with people that would know these things. I mean, Fashala was very abreast of the issues because it's in his backyard, right? So he should know. Yeah. But I mean, I suppose it, it goes to show Buhari in a it goes to show him in a in a larger sense, which is he's so disinterested, he's so incurious, yes. he's so. Do you understand? So I mean, yeah. it's. As I'm saying these things, I'm beating myself up a little bit because it's like I should have seen these things. But to be very fair, I was over Jonathan, so <laughs> that's just it. But anyway, um, to our listeners, you know how we do every week. We get together, we discuss. Well, every time we do get together, it's not every week. We discuss these issues, and Nigeria keeps giving us more and more headaches. And here we are. The 2019 elections are coming up. I'm hoping that I can get people of importance to, not that you're not important michael you're very important but people well, I, people on the scene you know if we can get a kingston a, a kingsley mogali rather to come on the podcast or on a tiku or even a rep of the bahari government that'd be great you know so we're just hoping to shed more light on topical issues for you guys and hopefully you make the right decision come 2019 please 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 get your pvcs don't listen to the naysayers right we're all angry about the government and we want something to be done not having your PVC means you don't have a voice. All you have is a phone and your rant on Twitter. That's not going to do the job, guys. Come on. Let's help each other to be better. All right. We'll see you next time we're on. Take care of yourself and each other. Thank you.